The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. If you are just finding and, and joining us for the very first time, we are really glad to have you because we're, yeah. we've got so much fun stuff to debate. We've got both coasts of the U.S. to debate for this one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's all about the kids. It's all about family haulers. It's all about families, which we've touched on before, but I don't know that we've ever really gone there specifically. Both of these guys have written for their families. It's family haulers, but it's not help me find a minivan, help me find an SUV. It's help me kind of find something fun. And by the way, here are the kid conundrums. So there's there's the nice T-shirt, Everyday Driver and the Kid Conundrum. (laughs) But uh, that actually sounds like a terrible 80s band, by the way. (laughs) Everyday Driver and the Kid Conundrum, that's a terrible band from the 80s. We always come up with funny band names. If you have funny, crazy band names, you know, like Mustard Scab or Milk Dandruff, and you know what I'm talking about, Please write to yep. us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. <laughs> It'll be a whole new part of the show. No, it won't. No, it won't. That'll be, uh, that'll be all of the show before we know it. You know, I've thought of working creative words in, you know, like word of the podcast, you know, some sort of word that you never use. People already play that game with us anyway. I know. There is somebody right now with a shot glass poised to their lips waiting on the word proclivity or portion. So thank you. There it is. There's two drinks. So we're getting you on your way to a good podcast already. Awesome. Well, uh, we've got John in Annapolis, Maryland. He is writing because the family is growing. And there's some twists and turns with him because not only is he looking for family, he's looking for himself. And it covers a couple categories, so I'm not going to give the not going to give it away right now. Not going to let yeah, the good. cat out of the bag, but we will get there. In the meantime, mm-hmm. we've also got Richard H. in Oregon on the west coast of the U.S. His family is growing, and he is looking for something something that doesn't include the Chevy SS. Let's put it that way, because we recommend <laughs> it so much. He is. Perfectly putting a blind spot on the Chevy SS and going, sorry, guys, can't do it. Let's talk around it. So we're going to talk around it tonight. That'll be interesting. <laughs> I've got ideas. I'm rubbing my hands together with glee, anticipation for both oh, of you guys. Good, good, I've got some stuff that hopefully will blow your head out the back of your – blow your brains out the back of your – wait. Yeah, start start that over. We're, we're kind of with you, my but you're going to start that over. My brains are blown out the yeah. back of my head. Anyway, yeah. and then some other cool, fun stuff because Rich wants to lease – and so we sometimes talk about leasing, but not always. Yeah. And this, Rich, I think I've found your car. And I'm really, oh, really cool. excited. Anyway. Good. Good for you. Good for you. You know what dawned on me today? It actually dawned on me today. We're recording this on a Monday, as we always do. We record on a Monday night for Tuesday. Thank you guys for your Facebook questions. We post for those always on Facebook right before we record. And you have responded with a torrent of questions. Thank you for that. We'll get to those as well. But on this Monday, it dawned on me, and I think I mentioned this to you already, we are exactly four weeks out from our European trip. Our Yikes. pilgrimage adventure is yeah. four weeks out, yeah. which also remi- makes me realize that four weeks from now, we need to figure out how to do a podcast that night while we're transporting people to spa for track day. We need to figure out how to do a podcast so we don't leave everybody high and dry. So that'll be interesting. So, so there will probably be a couple of on-location podcasts that week. That is four weeks from now. And what's crazy is you would think, wow, four weeks, it's upon us. It is, and yet people are still signing up. Had another guy sign up today. There's still some room left on that trip. If you would like to go, we are very serious. We are definitely going. Spa and the ring with a road tour day in between. Cars provided, everything provided. You get yourself to Frankfurt, and we take care of you. So if you're thinking about it, still room. This is good. It's really, really come together in a big way, and we'd love to have you. We still have slots left, and uh, it's going to be loads and loads of fun. So please consider that, everydaydriver.com, the Adventures tab there. Read more about it. There's also a small FAQ button that you can click, a very mm-hmm. a small link mm-hmm. there, a little bit more information about what we're talking about, and you're going to get yeah. so excited. You're going to – you're just going to – yeah, you're going to have a conniption. There we go. Conniption is the go. word of the podcast for today. Wow. Okay. How many times we can word work the word conniption into the – okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> I'll keep putting that in my brain. So, uh, so I want to talk about something random. We've talked before about – Startups, specifically, we talk about Tesla, but just startups in general. 
and the money that they burn. And I came across this headline today, and I just thought we should talk about that one because you and I, many times when we go places, we use Uber. And we're we're mm-hmm. both kind of big fans of Uber. I mean, I, I far prefer it over using a taxi. And, you know, I've been lots of places, including in Europe last year when I was there with my wife. I mean, Uber was a godsend because mm-hmm. even if there's a language barrier, it doesn't matter. You've used your phone. You said, I need to go here. It's simple. It's great. You know, we were in Vegas recently, my wife and I, and there, Vegas had to figure out all these new regulations for where can Uber pick up and how do you deal with the airport. So it is... I, I hate to use this term, but Uber is doing it very well, and that is they are disrupting a market. I feel like that is the most overused term in, on the planet right now, but it's true of Uber, except for the fact they are having a bonfire with piles and piles of fistfuls of cash. <laughs> the quote from Tony Stark pops to mind, and that's, sometimes you got to run before you can walk. And apparently, in their case, they have lost more than $2 billion in 2015. And over their seven-year history, they've lost over $4 billion. And I am sure at some point they're going to IPO and try to make all of that back. But in the meantime, we enjoy the very low-cost service, and we love it. And Uber is now in a place where it's used as a verb. We we Mm -hmm. say all tissue is Kleenex. Well, that's a brand. And all personal watercraft are jet skis. That's a brand specifically Mm -hmm. to one company. That's a good point. And now we're saying, well, just Uber your way. Just just Uber your way over here. And well, yeah. Do you mean Lyft? Do you mean Uber? Do you mean taxi? What What are you talking about here? You're right. You're absolutely right. It It is the go-to term. It is now a verb in our lexicon. Where you Google something, now you Uber your way over somewhere. It's Mm -hmm. it's a thing now. But they're bleeding cash, and who knows when well, they're going to honestly, pull back out But of I have to say that, that bleeding cash is an understatement when the cash figure begins with a B as in boy. Billions <laughs> of dollars. Billions of dollars. Yeah. I have so much yeah. trouble wrapping my brain around how much money that actually is. And they've burned over a billion, yes, I'm staying with the B, this calendar year alone. I yeah, just, more than two, I, as a matter I, of fact. I shake my head and go, I, I, oh, okay. Which means, here's the other thing about it. It means they keep going to investors, and investors keep giving them money. Now, I will fully acknowledge, yeah. I don't have money to invest in anything. I love Uber. I would love to see it keep running. But that means they keep going out and keep getting rounds of funding that amount to billions of dollars for them to throw on a cash bonfire. I think uh, I think they're still slightly ahead of their time, but not so in terms of we've got to so- start sorting things out now. And all the teething problems that mm-hmm. they didn't foresee, they're still sorting through in a big way. And that includes professional drivers. I mean, and I say professional because these are people who are trained in CPR and maybe evasive tactics and things like that that are – you know, hired limo drivers that you're paying for a, a higher, a higher percentage. There, there's you know? gonna be there's gonna be a new level of Uber. It's gonna be called Uber Armored. Those guys come packing. What and a great bulletproof. idea! And I'm telling you, Uber Armored is gonna be a thing. Uh, you heard it here for um, for Rio de Janeiro, I suppose. But uh, possibly, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm floored by this. I don't see them going away because I do see a lot of people, a lot of investors still mm-hmm. throwing money at them and IPO in the near future. I've driven through San Francisco, Soma area, and heard taxi drivers tell me that over there is going to be the new Uber headquarters. The driverless technology that they're you know pushing and that they're pushing yeah. up with, yeah, yeah. that's going well, to become that, a that, thing. Like we talked about, that orangutan that threw a dart at a map and they picked their first uh, city to start the yeah. driverless car po- program yeah. at. So apparently he's <laughs> he's making more decisions that are resulting in billions of dollars being burned. Uh, I'm sure he got a raise. But uh, yeah, but, but it is a fantastic service that we use. And, you know, Austin recently outlawed Uber. And the city, from a, like a business traveler perspective, people are kind of lost. They just don't know how to get anywhere. I mean, that's what you're talking about, about it being a verb. So I'm very curious to see where does the – and I, again, we've talked about this with Tesla. It's the same thing with startups. Where mm-hmm. does the great idea that is burning cash to survive, where and how does it shift over to be solvent? Because if it doesn't, it's a great idea that just runs out of oxygen and the flame goes out. 
I suppose, but as long as it's other people's cash, that's the entire point. I mean, that's yeah. the way Tesla exists. That's the way Uber does. Airbnb is also a great one. I had the Excellent opportunity yeah, to, uh, right. to interact with their, I believe their CEO, um, Brian Chesky. I knew him from, uh, gosh, a long time ago, uh, back in our design days, IDSA days in Los Angeles, uh, before he even started Airbnb. And here he is, the CEO of Airbnb. And they are not profitable. They won't be for another four years from this recording. Mm, and mm, yeah. they're just massively funded. It's not like vacation rentals are some sort of, you know, they, nobody ever thought of this. I mean, there's VRBO, yeah, there's a point. Yeah. host yeah, yeah. of others. And by the way, there's still yeah. hotels. But, uh, you know, they're cracking it. And they're, they're touching on something that clearly has hit a nerve, as has Uber. I mean, people don't want to pay as much. It's... It just works so well. It's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm as curious as the rest of you, um, but yeah. uh, I'm I'm thinking IPO at this point. That's the can only I, way to really can, make it back. This this struck me as my I, I mentioned to you before, and it's kind of outdated, I guess, a little bit, but it but it relates here, and that is my LA taxi joke. Okay. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I kept seeing this one cab company, and and to this day, when I see them, I shake my head. It says, emblazoned on the door. Now, you, of course, if you're listening, you know Yellow Cab, you know what other, uh, all the other cab companies, but there is a cab company in Los Angeles that emblazoned on the door is United Independent Cab Company. <laughs> now, I know what you're saying. I know you're saying, well, that means a bunch of independent operators yeah. got together and made a... I'm just talking about the meaning of the words. Are you united or are you independent? Because I'm just <laughs> saying, you're one or the other. If you actually just go to what those words mean... Anyway, I just I, every time I see one of those cabs, it makes me laugh. We're the United Independent Cab Company. Are you really? Which one are you? <laughs> it should be Acme anyway. United Independent Generic General Taxi Service. Well, I just I just love I always love that. Maybe it's just me. Anyway, I, I, we have another thing random to talk about, and that is I actually saw this and, and thought it was really fascinating. Ford Pass. Yeah, more in the tech arena here. Yeah, Ford is creating an app, or they're actually maybe already offering it, that is to help you find parking. You land in some new city. You don't know where you can park. You don't know how to compare prices on good parking garages. Los Angeles is a great one for this. You can pull up this Ford Pass, which is not connected to Ford vehicles necessarily. It's not like you have to be driving a Ford. You just have the, have the app. I have a great road-finding app made by BMW, and that doesn't have a BMW requirement. This is the same kind of thing, Ford helping you find parking in major cities so, of course, the parking areas have to let Ford know they exist, and then Ford is allowing you to compare and contrast what is the parking cost you can find, where do they have spaces, you can reserve spaces, I think. I mean, it's very fascinating that you're able to track down parking this way, and it's coming from Ford. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the app here. I'm looking at the website, FordPass.com, and they do put their vehicles on here. So if you have a Ford, and they say your vehicle's well, what, do I have multiple Fords? I mean, you're assuming a lot here, Ford. <laughs> In some cases, yes. I mean, they're, they're saying, okay, vehicle controls, you can connect to your vehicle, fine, unlock, start, check fuel level. Aren't these things that we do when we sit in the car? You know, <laughs> you can't <laughs> well, fuel your vehicle thing. when you're far away from it. You still have to be near your car to go fuel it. So what's the point of checking it from, I don't know, middle of the day? <laughs> Gosh. Wow. When I get it's back really there, I need me. gas. Yeah. I wonder what my fuel level is right now. I wonder what Facebook <laughs> says. Gosh, I wonder what my Twitter feed's Facebook. doing. LinkedIn <laughs> has just told me my car needs gas. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it also has the dealer, my dealer on here. Well, that doesn't bode well for Ford's reputation from the, you know, the very far past and, you know, found on road dead or anything like that. The jokes that uh, that we make about Ford's. All why of which are getting resurrected. Speed dial here. Why? Why? All of the Ford jokes are getting resurrected for the Focus yeah. RS, which I don't know if you've noticed those. Comments. I did. It falls into one of two camp. It's people either saying Focus RS is awesome, or they are making every tired old Ford joke. And I, I submit to, yeah. to you that are making tired old Ford jokes. I'm a guy that's never really liked Fords, and they are killing it right now for yeah. enthusiast oh, cars. Yeah. So oh, if you're yeah. not a believer yet, if you're a skeptic like I am, I promise you they have some great stuff in their lineup. But all of the Ford jokes have come out on that RS piece. It makes me laugh. I noticed that too, and it's it's sort of like, okay, well, you haven't driven an RS yet. So once you do, you might have a change of heart there because 
we found it to be pretty incredible. Fiesta ST, for God's sakes, you know, the, the GT350, yeah. I mean, they're, they have a lineup of cars. We joked about it on the end of the GT350 yep. piece. They have a lineup of cars right now where it's like Ford asked you, the enthusiast, the question, well, how much money do you have? We have a car for that. I mean, that's, that's kind of Absolutely. what's going on at Ford. All the way to the Ford GT. So, yeah. I mean, for yeah, super yeah, yeah. rich people, what do you want? Oh, We've got that too. Yes. Super rich people previously approved by Ford Performance. There's a whole separate animal there. But, yeah, I get you. I mean, GM isn't doing this. What supercar does GM have, aside from a Corvette Z06 right now? Yeah, they don't yeah, have yeah. something in this category. I mean, this is a four or $500,000 supercar from Ford. Yeah. None of the other American car manufacturers such a bizarre, have this. Yeah, such a bizarre place for that to be. It's just really very interesting to see how that plays out. But, yeah, Ford is killing it, and yet the Ford jokes continue. Um, should we move on to a car debate, maybe? We should. We should talk about John here. As I mentioned, he is in Annapolis, Maryland on the East Coast. I don't know any gang signs. Sorry, I can't. I, yeah, you can't see me anyway. Sorry. <laughs> plus, plus, you know what? It's, it's, it's a radio show, so the gang signs are a bit irrelevant. I'm just pointing that out. I was going to like I'm East Coast, saying, West Coast, but no. Unless you've, yeah, got, I, unless you've got like a gang grunt to go with that, it's just not going to play. Yeah. It's just not me. I can't form the EED out of my fingers unless I break my hand, so... <laughs> Ouch. Anyway. Yeah, that... <laughs> All right. Uh, he writes into us talking about his current car lineup, which is a Mazda Speed 3 from 2010 and an 08 Toyota Matrix. So the Mazda is the daily, and he likes that in the commute. And uh, the Matrix, it looks like, is up for grabs here because this is the mm -hmm. kid hauler, this is the grocery getter, this is the errand car, and they've yeah, had a it's second the, it's child. the utility car for them. Yeah. Yep, utility car. By the way, for any bikes, I will say find something with a hitch if you can and buy a, a rack. Todd, you've got a great one that is collapsible and it mm -hmm. fits on just about any car. And it's yep. that yep. way you don't have to buy a car based on can I get my bicycles in the car. Agreed. I mean, Agreed. So that that becomes really racks. difficult. I mean, yeah, you talk about one of your issues is obviously you've got a family of four, you've got stroller, you've got the, you know, the trash can child seats, and you're now starting to haul bikes for your kids to go places. <laughs> and I submit to you, the bike thing, the, the bike thing is you, you get out of the child seat, but now you have the kids bike and you think, oh, it's tiny, I'll throw it in the back of the car. And one year later, they need the bigger bike. It is a countdown until that bike cannot fit in the back of your car, and you will be cussing yourself on the side of the freeway. Yeah, yeah. Learn, learn, and, and imagine why I'm learn. saying this. Can, 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 can you think <laughs> that maybe I've done this? Yeah, this is this is not me inventing this scenario. So, so you just just get yourself a bike rack, and you can do the cool ones with the trailer hitch, and those are awesome. They're also pricey. Or you can do the the one I got is like less than two hundred bucks. It's like a plastic arm thing. It's actually really cool, and it can can keep morphing and changing. I've had it on the back of the FRS and I've had it on the back of the Cayenne. Yeah, Same that's why I brought it up because I thought it was so yeah. cool and it'll just kind of form to any car and you can strap it on and it just, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, and anyway, this is not the old though. ones that look like they were made out of like a, you know, an old uh, jungle gym with weird oh, yeah. uh, this metal is poles. I mean, this is kind of spider cool. looking, yeah. but uh, anyway. Um, so you might be thinking we're going down the road of finding John a, you know, an SUV or something a little bit larger. That is not the case. And my choices, just reading through and the way my brain works, ter serious turns here. Okay. I, I've got a wild card and I've got a super wild card. But hmm. that's, that's neither here nor there because, first of all, he brings up this project car. Because at the same yes. time that they need a larger family car, he's noodling yes. a project car. And he's thinking the this usual suspects. This is a suspects. whole different rabbit trail. This takes a major turn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's suggesting Miata's Boxsters, BMW Z3 Coupes. Yes, all good. He's even considering older stuff like the AMG cars from Mercedes or BMW M5s. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing where it's inexpensive, easy to work on, fun to drive, things like that. There's a litany of project cars we could suggest mm -hmm. for the fun to drive, but then he keeps going. Get this, everyone. <laughs> yes, exactly. It keeps. That's the thing. I Get feel this. like <laughs> our, our, our poor friend John here starts with two very simple ideas. I need a larger car for the family. Then I need a project car. These are not the same thought. But now John is going to attempt to combine the ideas. Keep going. Yeah, Paul. yeah. He says, what if the project car that I get is also the one for the family. What if that becomes the family vehicle? Which 
blew my brains out, and I thought, mm -hmm. huh, I don't think we've ever been asked that before. And he's now thinking along the lines of SUVs, possibly, and I only suggest that because of the space thing, but that doesn't mean it has to be SUVs. But I took so many twists and turns, and I'm looking forward to sharing all these with you because they mm -hmm. might spark some ideas from you and certainly the audience. I mean, I'm actually kind of going way back on some of these because when oh, wow. I think okay. project cars, we don't suggest them all the time. I think somebody asked us on Facebook why we don't do that all the time. Maybe it's you, John. But it's well, because... John, yeah, John even asked, asked us to kind of speak to it, but keep going. Yeah, uh, it's, it's because not everybody can afford to take the time. I mean, it's a time investment as well as a money investment. Not everybody has the proclivity to do so. Never, not everybody's really into that. They need something that's ding, ding, reliable. Ding. And there you go. Bravo on the pro proclivity in there. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, keep going. Um, so I just thought, huh, I, uh, I've got these other choices. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, well, that's why we but, don't generically or generally suggest the project cars here, to everybody. Here's the thing. When you say project car to me, John, what I hear is roll that into the garage off the trailer. I'm going to make it awesome again. That's what I hear. Now, if you're saying you to hear me, restoration, when you think, right? Well, but, but when I hear project car, I hear not currently running or not currently running like it should. Now, maybe John is thinking project car like, oh, I want to change this and put wheels on it. And maybe I'll change out the headlights, but everything in it runs. I don't really feel like that's Possibly. a project car. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's what John's thinking. It could but be when very I hear light project, project car, car. Like a paint job. It could job. be. That's it. It could you be. Know? But but here's the thing I will say. You've asked us what we think about project cars. Here's the thing I will say. I have never heard about one project car where when it was finished, the owner said either of the following. That was far cheaper, and it took far less time than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they the labor are, of unfortunately, love, the, the yes. hobby no, part I, of I'm it, not disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with it. that. And the result Absolutely. is you. It's you. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. There is a sense of accomplishment. But the problem that I have here, John, is I don't think you can combine project car with family utility vehicle. Because family utility vehicle, I mean, the Matrix has gotten too small, but let's be honest. The Matrix has served your needs. Why? It's not fancy. It's not sexy. It runs and it works. The last thing you want is your wife needs to take the kids somewhere and the project car doesn't start. So I think Could. you have to separate the ideas. You have to separate the ideas in my mind. The family car needs to be just that. Family car. It doesn't mean it can't be fun. Obviously, that's what we're about. But I don't think you can combine project car and family car reliably. And I think project car is always going to take longer than you think. I'm going to disagree there because... I've okay. got some choices here that are maybe surprising. Now, project car, yeah, maybe from the wiring or dead battery or that kind of thing. But if you sort those things, I'll bet you they're going to be just fine in the reliability department. So I've got, oh, man, this is, I, I'm just going to dive in. Okay. I started with a Toyota FJ40. Interesting. Hmm. All right. And I'm thinking yeah. SUV, something totally different. This is going way back. And then that led me to the thinking of Jonathan and Jamie Ward and what they're doing with Icon 4x4. So go to Icon 4x4 <laughs> he, as inspiration. He has, he has 30 grand, Paul. He has no, 30 grand. <laughs> I hear you. But as inspiration, these are overbuilt and they're a couple hundred yeah. thousand dollars for these things. But I, look, yeah. I say look at that for what they're doing as inspiration to do something clean. But then the details, you move closer and closer and you go, Oh, the door handle's now made out of stainless. It's not chrome-plated metal or steel. It's, you know, really well-crafted. You don't have to go that far, but I just thought... Oh, the nicer for the kids to puke on. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> no, no. no, no. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I know, I, just... I know. You're, you're bringing the... Yeah, you're teasing me. It's all good. I thought... Gonna have, um... I'm going to take my giant, terrible <laughs> eyesore of a plastic child seat and put it into this really well-designed resto of a <laughs> Toyota FJ. It could happen. Oh, no. So okay, I kept going, going from there. So here's the wild card to start with. And that is a fifth generation Ford Bronco. From 1992 to 1996, Ford built the Bronco. I'm talking O.J. Simpson's Bronco here. And even yeah, more yeah, specifically, yeah. an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Bronco. I found you one for twelve grand, John. And by the way, Nate K., I'm looking at you for creating special editions of cars that uh, every car manufacturer seems to have. 
including the Eddie Bauer edition that we talked about. But here we go. For 12 grand, you can get something that, first of all, runs and drives. Second of all, you can start in on reupholstering things, redoing the yeah. dash. The wiring's going to be fine. And these things will run for hundreds of thousands of miles. And I think they're cool. I mean, you get something that's really, you know, you don't have to spend too much money. And if you get one for 12 grand, you've got a pretty healthy budget to start yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, I see to that. And you can fit, you know, a bike rack on the thing, loads of space in the back. I'm just going to let your imagination run with that because I want to tell you about my super duper wild card here. <laughs> and it's it's a very soft spot for me. So I'll, I'll take the teasing. I will endure. But go to WagonMaster.com. You're oh, gonna no. be you're gonna be shocked by this, but you're also gonna be shocked by the prices. And these are Jeep Grand Cherokees and Jeep Grand Wagoneers from '86 all the way to '91, '92, somewhere in there. They're pristine and they're restored and they're sixty thousand dollars. And I cannot believe these things are that expensive. But it was inspiration for me to think I would. That's a soft spot for me. I mean, I've tried to recreate it by buying my own Jeep Grand Cherokee new. These just speak to me. It was my first car. This was my very first car that I shared with my sister. If you go to wagonmaster.com, I, I, unbelievable. I just find I one of those. Nearly out of words. I am finding my words again scrolling <laughs> through this site. Because the oh, thing I'm blown away by, this is this is proof. This is proof that people with money will buy anything. This is a $60,000 yeah. redo of a car I can't believe existed in the first place. I have to be honest. I just... It's, I, I, I told I you, I'm ready cannot. for the teasing. But use it as inspiration. Obviously, you can't afford to buy yeah. one from them. And they maybe you find an older one and you start doing your own thing to it and you kind of customize it, reupholster some things. You, you bought it for ten grand. But it's a Jeep, and you can work on it. They're easy. You can unfold your lawn chair and climb in the engine bay beside the engine. This is true. There's so much space in there. It's incredible. But, I, yeah, this is my soft spot is the Grand Wagoneers from late 80s, early 90s. I just I I, love those I things. So, I love them. so not with you. It's kind of difficult to comprehend right now. I, I – I can see your rabbit trail. I I just I can't follow you into that forest of madness. I really can't. That's okay. Unbelievable. That's okay. All right. I mean, if you get okay. one of these hey, for twelve I... grand, you could have a project car over here that's a that's a fun car, Miata for five grand or something, and still have like money that left you brought, over. I like that you brought something totally different, though. I do like that. And and one place that the, the place that I'm going to go for John. Oh, by the way, John, you mentioned in passing here that you appreciate that. Uh, that you can actually play this podcast while driving your kids around. We're very glad that you're able to as well. Uh, somebody asked us once, uh, do we do we cuss? We do. We just try really hard not to on this podcast. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but I'm glad that you can listen with your kids. And we're talking about a car for your kids. So I thought, all right, I want that car to just run. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned two in your email. You've mentioned the Mazda CX-5. And you've mentioned the Subaru Forester. I would recommend either of the above to you. I think the fact that you've already got this on your radar proves you've got really good taste for where to go. Everyone we know that has a CX-5 loves it. We've yep, recommended yep. it to quite a few people, and they are. And, and here's the thing: you've got thirty grand to spend. So I'm going to say to you, take twenty of that and buy yourself a used SUV. I think the Forester is a great idea. You know, if you go a little ways back. I forget. I think it's the up through the 08, but I'm going to get that wrong. There's a, there's that early 2000s, mid 2000s generation of Forester that's really boxy but very cool, and it's essentially the Subaru WRX uh, in a in a Forester body. <laughs> the WRX high roof. <laughs> it's the, Seriously, that, the that's high a great description. Roof. <laughs> exactly. But you can you I've seen them just a little bit lowered, not like stance, but just a little bit lowered, some really nice WRX kind of flared out parts on it. Those things are surprisingly fast. They're great sleepers, but they're roomy. So the Forester is one of those good sleeper cars if you can get one. I mean, now you're obviously living in in uh CVT world, so you have to be careful as you buy your Forester, but you can get that same 2 2 and a half liter turbocharged engine they're putting in the STIs and the WRXs are winding up in that Forester. And, of course, we know uh, Subarus are Legos. You can just tune that. So that's, if you're wanting a kind of a hot version that's also your family car, I say get yourself a used Forester and play with that. If you want the thing that just runs good gas mileage, CX-5 all day long. So I think you're in the right category, depending upon what you want to chase there. Take that extra ten grand. That's your project car money. 
You've got your Speed 3 that you like. You've now got your family small five-seat SUV that you can maybe play with, but hopefully will just run. And now you've got ten grand. And with ten grand, man, there's options. What about an actual, like, real project car, like an old Toyota MR2? Get one of those for a few grand. I mean, like, a few grand. Four, five, something yeah, in there. literally two or three thousand. Yeah. And, then, and then just play with that. Because then it doesn't have to run. When it runs, awesome. Whatever you want to do to it, great. But it doesn't have to run for you. Of course, we can say Miata. Miata fits in here. But MR2 is all day long, man. You could get a really interesting car that way. Uh, you could go crazy and chase something like a Fiero. I mean, where? How weird do you want to get on Project Car? Because <laughs> because with ten grand you can go Project Car. I don't recommend can, putting just, any money whatsoever into a Fiero ever. I'm just I'm just going ever. to what's cheap, what's cheap and represents sports car. You, you know I got to go there nine twenty four or nine forty four. Yeah, true, true. You could go there. I mean, how, what what rabbit trail do you want to chase? I really want you, if you're going to go project car to get into something that was very cheap to get into and doesn't have to be relied upon. If you really want to go there, just brace yourself for cost in both money and time and let your family run around on the other stuff and be be happy. So that's that's where I go. John, I did find Cayennes. You mentioned Cayennes in the uh, in that range, and on Plaza Motors AZ down in Arizona, I found two: the 0809 Cayenne GTS. They're in the twenty-two thousand, twenty-four thousand range right now. They're over a hundred thousand miles, so they will need upkeep. But you didn't buy them quite for thirty, so they're running. They will run great. Obviously, maintain you know maintain them, put money into them. But I, I've always kind of wondered where the slightly out of new but not super old Porsches go in that category. I mean, we know what happens to 911s, but what happens to all these really still decent Cayennes from 08, 09? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean uh, obviously I bought one. You I mean, bought you could, one. We got the base one. We got the base V6 for I mean, mid-20s. You bought well so, because these two have well over 100,000 miles. I mean, yeah. you bought yours yeah, yeah. with like 60 or 70 on it. About about sixty grand, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it, it, the the difference is you can find if you want to go shopping crazy, you could go find yourself the hundred and twenty or hundred and thirty thousand mile Cayenne Turbo for your budget. Sure, I would not recommend sure. that car. But here's the thing: if you go down the food chain, even below, I mean, you're at GTS, which is middle of the range. If you go the Cayenne S, or we even got the base, you can get one all day long for that. I mean, I, you mentioned that actually in here, John, as in your project car SUV category, and that's what kind of twists my brain because I go, why is that a project car? Mm-hmm. Because it, don't buy one that doesn't run because I can't imagine how you're going to solve that problem inexpensively. But if it runs, then what do you need to do to it? I, that's where I'm not sure of the project car definition here. Obviously, I'm a fan of the Cayenne. I bought one. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. uh, but I don't know that that fits project car. And I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's, I was surprised you threw that in, but it got my brain uh, rolling around. No Fieros. Stay away. Nofieros.com. I was trying to think of something else like the MR2 that was mid-engine and stupid cheap, and so my brain went Fiero. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying it's an idea. It's an idea, and we've both had ideas. Uh, Speaking of which, we got to keep going with ideas here for Richard in Oregon. He is uh, married. He's got a three-year-old. He's on his fourth BMW, and he's Mm -hmm. ready for something different. Now for something completely different. Mm Mm-hmm. What is he looking for here? Something commuting, something large. Holy moly. He's looking for a charger with the scat pack and currently sort of zeroed in on one of these. Although the Audi Audi S6 or Audi S7 would be preferable. I get that. They're more expensive, but you're sniffing around the charger in the SRT or scat pack form, which is good. He's looking to stay... Yeah, he's looking to stay like $400, $400 a month. I mean, that's that's the budget we're really working with. He actually talks about leases specifically. Has to have automatic four doors. You know, he, he doesn't want an SUV. He doesn't want another BMW. So that starts closing And he doesn't want the us. Chevy SS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's one of my favorite things is he goes, guys, I know you're going to go Chevy SS, and I just can't do it. The problem with the Chevy SS, for him personally, is the fact that he wants a car that he loves the way it looks. Well, we have talked up one side and down the other about the fact that the problem with that car is it looks like a Malibu. Yeah. yeah so exactly. that's the issue. In fact, that reminds me, reminds me, our friend Jason that came to join us, shout out to you, Jason, on uh, on the Chicago track. Yeah, day. yeah. We'd been there a half hour, and rolling through the parking lot comes a white Chevy SS. 
and I nudged Chance, our shooter that was with us, and I said, there's an SS with a Holden badge. I could tell from a distance because the Holden badge is this big disc. It's not, you know, very different than the bow tie. And I could tell from across the parking lot it was a Holden badge on a white SS. Jason pulls over, and he said, he said the reason, he left the SS badge on it. And his license plate was something like Chevy SS or just an SS or something that it was acknowledging it. But his comment that I loved was he said he put the Holden badges on there because the minute he did that, people stopped asking if it was a Malibu, which That's I love. That's funny. He mentioned to me that those were something he could get from the dealer, but they wouldn't do the wheel centers. He had to source those on his own for the for the wheel center logos, interestingly. Mm. But they would replace the badges for him. They'll do it. They'll order it and put it on for you. So good on you, Jason. And nice to meet you at track day, by the way. That was great. But but Richard Richard has said no on the SS. He just he can't mm-hmm. get over the way it looks. It's not interesting enough. It's just he's like I know you guys keep talking about how it's great to drive. It's just boring to look at. So all right, I'm not going to try to talk you into liking something you don't like the look of. Uh, but that leads you. I mean, this whole email, honestly, Richard, you spend time going through everything you want, but you keep in every paragraph circling your way back to here's why I love the Charger. And Paul and I have said this before, and I'm going to say it to you right now. If you have a car you love, our job isn't here to talk you out of it. True. I mean, if you yeah. have a car yep. like this where you're just you keep coming back to it, there's a real part of me that just says, if if it's in your psyche that much, go get that car. That doesn't mean that you might not be a year or eighteen months into it and be like, yeah, I'm not liking this anymore. But if it's really under your skin that much, I'm not here to go. No, man, don't do that. I mean, if you'd said Fiero, I might talk you out of it. But I don't know why the Fiero jokes tonight. But um, <laughs> it's all about the but Fiero. you're all about the Charger. So okay, chase the Charger. I've got another couple of ideas for you. But you keep talking about that, and I say, if you like it that much, go. I'm a, I'm in agreement. I guess the only sort of check in my mind here is the fact that it's an FCA vehicle, and the fact the little things that have gone wrong with my Jeep. They've been repaired mm. and fixed, and they're under warranty, certainly, but the parts bin is the same. I mean, I've had my entire air, air conditioner manual module replaced so yeah. far, and the entire nav screen died. I had to get a brand new one. They couldn't get it to boot. And so, uh, you know, little things keep happening, and I'm like, all right, you know, it works fine now, but what's the next mm-hmm. thing? And I, and I have... I guess optimistically wanted to, to believe that FCA's cars were all there. The Jeep has given me pause. The cars might yeah, be fine. Every has. time we're in the Charger, we're impressed, to be honest. Absolutely. We're just flat mm-hmm. out impressed. The interior is good for the Definitely. price point. I, we're just going, wow, this is a robustly mm-hmm. well-built car. I'm sure it'll be fine. I well, thought that about Jeeps, though. So That great ah. ZF 8-speed transmissions in this Charger. It's in your Jeep. Yeah. I mean, you can't go yeah. wrong there. The engines are awesome. Yep. You're having yep. random little electrical issues, which is certainly problematic. I mean, you know, it's, it's difficult to know, is that your Jeep or is that Jeep's period? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. But, you know, they have, that big, they have that big 8-inch screen that is one of, honestly, it's one of the better multimedia screens offered at any it's price. Fantastic. The 8-inch screen excellent. In, in there. That, what is it? They call it Uconnect? Is that what they call it? It's Uconnect, and it works yeah. fabulously It's great. Well. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's really good interface. It does so much. It's a great looking screen. Uh, obviously, you're having little niggling issues with it, which is which is concerning. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Okay. I just yeah, I'm not going to talk you out of it. Go drive it, and if you fall in love, get the charger. But we've brought a few other choices for you to consider. And yeah, definitely. If you are, I'm I'm going to push on the first one here. I'll mention the second one, but the first one here is as of this podcast. Cadillac has a national lease in the U.S. only for a 2016 ATS-V sedan for $449 a month. For the ATS-V? The ATS-V sedan. Now, I mean, the ATS is good, but the ATS-V, that is run to your local Cadillac dealer good. I like that. And the website says if you are not currently a GM owner and you drive something else, you get a $2,000 credit towards the lease. They want Hmm. your business right now. And by the way, Hmm. if you're not familiar with these cars, Todd and I are impressed with ATS and CTS and the V-Series across the board every time we get at them. This thing has a 464-horsepower twin-turbo V6. By the way, I did some digging here. You can get the six-speed manual, or you can get GM's eight-speed automatic. 
It's 30 pounds lighter than the manual. It has the same gearing as the Corvette, and GM claims it's quicker than Porsche's PDK. You get magnetic ride, Recaro seats, wireless induction charging for 450 bucks a month. I don't see why you're not running there right now. Why are you still listening right now? You I, should be talking to the dealer. I I I want to go get one. I, I do. That, that's a fantastic. That good. honestly, yeah. I have two other ideas that I will mention just because I wrote them down, and then I will return to where you are right now and just say do that. I mean, I'm going to fully acknowledge there. There is. I am giving you total spoiler alert. What I'm about to cut. If you're a person that skips through podcasts, you can just skip just to this place where I re- where I come back to this spot where I say that ATSV for that kind of money is a fantastic deal on a great car that nobody's buying. Wow, I did not know that was going on. Yeah. I'm floored right now. And what a beauty! And anyway, tell mm-hmm. us your ideas. I'll tell you my second one too. But tell us, go, yeah. hurry. The ideas of mine that don't matter now that you brought that one. Well, up. I mean, dang it. Dang it. <laughs> No, I've been I've been made irrelevant. That's no, what's happened. No, for the no, next, no. Let's for the next hear five them. minutes, Come my on. ideas are here, here's the thing. Okay, so you said you said you don't like the Chevy SS. I get it. You don't like the Chevy SS. You don't like the look of it. I'm going to say first off, we're going to give you a headline here. You've talked about four hundred dollars a month to lease. Okay, great. What if you don't lease? Just putting that out there. Okay. What if you buy used? Okay. What if you buy used and don't spend all your money? Just just you want to try something different. You don't like the Chevy SS. I'm going to go there. Shop used Pontiac G8. Yeah, it's a much better looking car. You can get yourself the GXP with the big V8. You can get a really cool car that is a lot of what we like about the Chevy SS. Now, no magnetic ride control is not everything we like about the Chevy SS, but it has the better looks. It does. It so does. You can, yeah. you can get the the good grumbly V8 that you want. You can get a better looking body. Than the Chevy SS, it's not quite as dynamic, but I submit to you it's more dynamic than the big Chargers are. Why not take a look at that car? I think it's interesting, and it's not going to be all your money. And then you've said your dream car in this category is actually the the Audi S6 or S7, which leads me to say, what about the A versions, specifically the A7? Less money, and why not just why not just buy fast. a? Gosh. Yes, they're, they're still st- like 350 horsepower, yeah. and they're. And yeah. they're to supercharged, so it's not. I mean, go <laughs> exactly. back and watch our A7 versus the uh, the V6 Panamera, and driving those back to back. Look, the Panamera was better dynamically, but in normal driving, the Panamera felt anemic by comparison to that A7. The A7 just had power underfoot. Mm-hmm. You left a stoplight, and it just felt genuinely fast. So, I'm, I, so I have a, that genuine question for you. If you like the S versions, obviously the S versions are bigger boys. Obviously they're more powerful. But come on, that A7 is not a sleeper of a can't-get-off-the-line car. Come on, go go look at that car. So I really I ask about that A7 as well. I think it's worthwhile. Meanwhile, <clears throat> my friend Paul found 400-something <laughs> horsepower in an ATS-V, and so I'm out. My, I just, no, those are good drop, suggestions. They're good to consider. It's good to have something else on the board, you know, just to, you know, have a, a driving consideration. And Audi's touch what he's interested in, too. So, mm-hmm. I, Rich, I, I don't even know if you're into the Cadillac thing, but I, I went to the Cadillac website first, and it caught my eye because this national lease thing going on. I'm also suggesting the Jaguar XF R Sport or the XFS, another mm-hmm. gorgeous-looking car. I don't know what their leases are right now on those. I really do like the Jags. But back to the Cadillac. I'm floored by what they're offering. <laughs> I'm floored. Here's what's ridiculous. You and I are so boggled by this, you would think they'd slipped us a check. And I will say, if Cadillac would like to slip us a check, we would take that check and <laughs> cash would, it and make more would. show. Exactly. But, we would happily but pay this everybody. is just, you stumbled into it, and now you've, you've given me the disease, and we are both boggled. I keep looking at stuff, and I keep going, okay, well, what about the transmission? Well, it's not a, a ZF, but it is GM's 8-speed, and they're claiming 30 pounds lighter, almost 30 pounds lighter than the manual, so that makes the case for it. And you get magnetic ride on this car. Oh, mm-hmm. oh! If you can get a car with magnetic ride, highly, highly recommended. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah Chevy SS. We're leaving that behind. But here's this Cadillac. <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah, it's something like forty six hundred bucks down. But the website did have this little blurb. You get two thousand dollars credit somehow. I don't know how the financials work, but even so, 
$450 But this is the nature of leasing. That's the headline of, of leasing. I'm not sure how the financials work. That's really what happens. It, there's a lot of sleight of hand going on. But it's still, that's, wow. Okay. Still, it's an interesting headline for sure. I mean, I'm just reading stats. After Todd and I have driven this car, I'm going back and reading things and going, wow, so that's what I felt. Now, the Q system, okay. I mean, not every car is perfect. It's not, not the not Uconnect. Really. It's not. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) I mean, the UConnect just wins all. Well done. Well done. Nice, nice bullet dodge there. It's not the UConnect is is the very nicest way we can put that. (laughs) Yes. I'm pirouetting my way through the tech specs here to try to suggest something good. But you get what I'm saying. You get such a driver's car in this ATS-V that I am kind of talking myself into one and I shouldn't be talking myself into anything right now. I mean. the last thing we need. Yeah, I hear you. (sighs) But wow, I, I just I'm floored by this car and the fact that they want your business clearly. I, I mean, you could even do zero percent financing, I think, right now. So well, but I mean, the, the sad Man. thing is that, that that ATS and even the CTS, but that ATS has the same problem as the Chevy SS. It's the best dynamic car in its segment, and no one's buying them. And I don't know if that yeah. speaks to the styling. Because obviously, look, we, talk, we beat it into the ground. The SS isn't good looking enough. The ATS has got such polarizing styling that you look at it and you either go, I think that's awesome or what happened there? Though, sure. I mean, there, I've never met anybody that's like, the ATS is okay looking. I've never met a single person. They either think it's great or they just they cannot right. actually look at it any right. further. So I don't know what the story is here, but both those cars suffer from that problem. And they're both dynamically, at least, fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. Mic drop, Cadillac. Yeah, hey, uh, yeah. Earlier, I think that mic drop was ten minutes ago, <laughs> but you know we beat You're it right. to death anyway because it's us. Uh, <laughs> speaking of random things to talk about, uh, let's talk about the Facebook questions, of which there are many. I actually picked three, and I wanted to start with Michael, who brought up something that reminded me of a, a auto show experience I had. Michael wrote in and said, "Is there a market for hardcore technology packages in cars?" Now, what he means by that is, we all have stuff now. Mm-hmm. Here's my radar detector. Here's my phone. Here's my laptop I'm going to plug in. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I need this accessory. All of a sudden, I need stuff. I need plugs. And he's saying, you know, what about a ton of USB ports? What about a couple of really nice outlets? He's asking, is there a place for that in cars? Which reminded me, when we go to auto shows, look, I know we don't talk about pickups much, but when we go to auto shows, the one we go to every year is we go to the L.A. Auto Show. And I, I actually do a couple passes. I, I, I keep kind of – You circle the Ford me, Raptors. Yeah, you, I do. I, I, absolutely, I get in them. I get in them a couple times <laughs> and I sit there and the I sigh. <laughs> I sigh very deeply at the Ford Raptor and then I get out and then I get back in. No, but here's the thing. I kind of like paint roll my way through the auto show. I kind of go through and hit the stuff I really want to see and then I kind of go through and hit the, the next tier of stuff I'm curious about and haven't been in. it. But mm-hmm. eventually I get into things like the 12-passenger van and the pickup I don't, ha- I don't have a use for. I do get into those things. And I remember getting in a Chevy, uh, full-size Chevy pickup a while back and it was the first one I noticed this, and I started to notice it's all over the place. Pickups already do this. That's the thing, Michael. If you get in a pickup right now, it's easy to find five, six USB ports and a couple of uh, you know, outlets, and it's shocking the amount of stuff they are prepared for you to haul with you. Will it work its way into other cars at large? I think it's a utility standpoint. I think people don't expect to get into, I'm just going to bring it up randomly, their Audi and find six USB ports. Mm -hmm. But I think something about the way people use pickups, and it even trickles down to like GM's big SUVs, we we just plan to bring more stuff that must be plugged in. But I think it exists, and I, you know, the number of cars you and I have been in for shoots where we're like, I need one more power plug. It would be nice (laughs) to have those, but it seems to be tied to the utility vehicles, whether they be pickups or minivans, than the sporty vehicles. That and a trunk button release on the outside of the car in the back. Yes. I just, where I would, did that go? I don't know, but where, they don't Where exist. did that go? I mean, they've been replaced is, with a USB port. You can plug in and charge right there, but I can't open the trunk. This is a this is a bizarre little rant you and I have had on know, multiple shoots. But for some reason, <laughs> modern sports cars don't have a button on the back of the trunk you can walk up to. And, uh, how hard is this? How easy is this technology? And some of them have it, and it just doesn't work. Come on. Why doesn't click 
up, down, sideways? Do you twist? Do you I mean, pull? I realize this is a, this is an auto journalist problem, but what ends up happening on, on when we have multiple cars? Think of our RS shoot, for example, that we just dropped. When we have multiple cars, the rule is always the same. If you got out of that car, you put the keys on the gear stick. Mm-hmm. That's where the keys go, center console. So what that means is we're all standing outside a car moving camera gear around, and invariably, what do you need to do? You need to get in the trunk. Well, I'm standing right by the trunk. An obvious thing that a human would think is, I'm going to reach down to this door and open it. Nope, can't do it. I mean, I want a bright like, red easy button, just gunk open the trunk. Just half, come on. Half the cars, you can't reach down and find and, I, and I'm not saying we can't find it. I'm saying it's not there. I'll give you a great example. FRS, no button. No button. Yeah. I, I, it's it's uh, it's a it's pain because they expect it's because they expect everybody. And let's be honest, unless you're doing what we're doing, you probably do have the key fob in your pocket. But the number of times it's why I say it's a it's an auto journalist conundrum. But the number of times it's happened to us, I literally have lost count. <laughs> this ties in nicely, though, with Neil Primer's question about what we consider some of the biggest headaches when it comes to reviewing cars. I would say that's the, <laughs> the second <trunk> biggest headache. <laughs> okay. Um, I, uh, I guess the biggest headache is getting all the cars together on camera. Mm. Yes, because thank you. There are so many videos that are single car reviews, and we've done those too, and they have their time and place. But for when we're doing a large shoot and magazines and other outlets will say, this compares to the such and such, but that car is nowhere to be found, how do you know it compares? How are you able to talk intelligently about it? Because you're going on memory from a press launch from six months or two months or a year ago for that car, and you're trying to remember dynamics of that car. What we're always surprised by is... The way we remember a car, and then we go back and drive it six months, a year, mm. two years, three mm. years later, and go, yeah. oh, yeah, that, that's how I feel about this. Huh. Or maybe your feeling has changed. You were nurturing yeah. this perception about a car, and it changed, and you have to be willing to do that. And you yeah. think, well, okay, well, I liked it then, but I guess I don't like it anymore for some reason, whatever that is. I'll, I'll give a specific example from our show. I mean – here I own an FRS. What's interesting about the FRS and our show specifically is to watch you, Paul, change over time about the FRS. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and not completely, yeah. but when you first drove it, you just loved it. And then over time, as you drove it, especially as we drove it against other things, right. and you kind of right. settled into it, you've liked it less and less and less. It's still a car, uh, to, to your credit, it's still a car that when you hop into mine, even right out of your Cayman, you're impressed by it. Yes, yes. But it initially started as a car that was, I think, very high in your just pantheon of favorite cars, and it's dropped out of that into a car you respect and like. And that, That's you can fair. watch it. Yeah. You watch all our FRS videos. Yeah. You can watch it change over time as you drive it with more things and as the platform kind of gets past the hype and gets into something that we're just now driving normally around other things. That's that's the first one I thought of just because I own the FRS and I'm aware of it. But, you know, that that does happen. I mean, we got back in those four for this latest SR latest Focus RS film. That's what I'm trying to say. When we got into those four cars, it was interesting, I felt like, to re-experience all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more, for example, the more I personally drove the Golf R, the more I liked it. You I know, did too. It, didn't, it, didn't I, it was a go-to change. car for many reasons. It didn't change some of the fundamental problems that we had with it in that company, but it's just it's just a great car to drive. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I felt like you know coming out of it from a year prior when we put it the DSG version with the STI, I didn't remember that I liked it as much as I did. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, it is interesting to sure. put cars together and see them in a new light. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing where it comes from. And so we try to do that. And obviously, we're saying it informs our commentary. It forms our opinions over time. And it's a headache to do this. It's mm. tough because I'll tell you, the Evo for this last Focus RS piece, Mitsubishi had the launch edition, but it wasn't available for the time that we needed it. They yep. happened to have a GSR over here. But Mm -hmm, interestingly, mm -hmm. the GSR worked better because it was the manual transmission, and that was the car we needed. I would have loved to have the final edition Evo, but it does not come with a manual transmission. So Does it not? I thought it did. Well, it doesn't matter. Either way, we couldn't get it. I'm not positive that it does, but we couldn't get it, and so I thought, all right, well, I'll take the GSR. So in that case, we had to take what we can get, but 
I'll take it because it's available and it's still part of the press fleet. So it's unmodified is what I'm telling you. It's perfectly yeah, I mean, stock. That's, that's the biggest thing is that when we want to put a Comparo together, we are now competing with everybody else that might want to put that Comparo together. And honestly, if car and driver and everyday driver both call, guess who gets the car? If Motor Trend calls, no one else gets the car. Motor mm-hmm. Trend just gets it. You may even have it. I, I'm, I'm riffing now, but I think you could have a car reserved and Motor Trend called right behind you and they would probably call you back and say, no, I'm sorry, you can't have it. So, you know, I mean, it's we have to fight that issue all the time. And now if we're talking about used cars, which we love to cover because that's reality. You're talking about used cars. You want to put a used car with one of these new cars. None of the used cars are in the press fleet. I mean, mm-hmm. I was shocked the Evo was in the press fleet. You want to get a car that got discontinued last year, press fleet cannot help you. So now we got to chase a private owner, explain why we need the car, what we need to do. And we've had a lot of very helpful private owners over the years, fantastically helpful, nice guys. Thank you to any of you that are listening. However, none of them are prepared for the amount of production it takes to do what we do. <laughs> exactly. Afterwards, so they, they go, think oh. They're, yeah, they think they're coming for, like, the morning. And then they suddenly realize, as the sun's going down, you guys do a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I looked it up here. Final edition Mitsubishi Evo is available with a manual transmission. The press fleet just happened to have one that was the uh, dual clutch. So well, they it just wasn't that. available. That was the bigger thing. We just yeah, couldn't get available. one that was available at time. And then that's the biggest thing is the schedule thing. In fact, the joke you and I made when we did that piece was we had, thank you again to Michael, it was his private owner, Focus RS. Yeah. You and I landed and went to collect the other three press cars, and while standing and waiting for the Evo, they pulled up a press fleet Focus RS. Not for us. Yeah. Which means it existed, but was booked with someone else that weekend, and it was a car we obviously tried to get out of the press fleet, and it was already booked. So this is, you've hit it. I mean, we've beat it to death, but you've hit it. The problem is getting the cars. And you coined the term years ago. I used to say, I don't believe we're going to have a car until it shows up on set. You said, I don't believe we've had a car until we're done shooting it, which is actually even more appropriate. (laughs) I've taken that up. It's funny. But, uh, yeah, in many cases, I really want the press cars to go away. Even though we have fun, I want them to go away. I want them out of my life. I want that hassle gone. But we've just had a bunch of fun and, you know, shot a lot of video. Mm-hmm. But uh, Absolutely. But I would say yeah. that's that's our biggest thing we still fight for. And it's because we pick certain weekends or certain, you know, shoot times and specific times to, to shoot. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, yeah, beat that one to death. Yeah, I but, totally agree. Uh, hopefully explains. I totally agree with that. And, you know, speaking of the Evo, Ben Prophet asked, he said, he's asking me specifically, will we be seeing an Evo X in my garage anytime soon? <laughs> Uh, ben, I chose this question because your timing is actually impeccable. Not because I bought one, but because I did. I found myself today randomly over lunch. Huh. Shopping? I wonder what Evos are going for. I was just... I was you just were shopping! You I was were just shopping, shopping for Evos. I just... <sighs> I, that car is so under my skin, and and then I shake it off. I mean, that that car to me personally, that is... And I say this only because I can't afford a GTR. That car for me is the GTR. And I say that because... I like it for all the same reasons I like the GTR, even though I actually think it's more a little more fun, a little more playful than the GTR. But both of those cars, it's you get in them. In fact, the Evo actually does it on the Speedo, on the information screen. It's a consistent countdown to the next time it must get serviced. I mean, I realize you have to service every car, but the Evo, you get in it, and it's doing a consistent like live countdown until I must be serviced again. <laughs> the harder you drive so, it, the faster the clock goes. So it's, it's, not, it's not about the buy-in. It's not that. It's the ownership that concerns me about having that car. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could theoretically afford to get one, but can I afford to own it? That's the bigger thing. And that's the thing with the we, – we owned we drove a GTR a few years back where the owner had clearly barely scraped by enough money to own it. But we just started looking, and there were some fundamental things on the car. We thought, this isn't being well-maintained, and he probably can't afford to. Right. You know, he was barely able to afford the car. That's my – I'll be honest – my genuine scare with the Evo. I really would like to have one. I'm worried about that. It's like at every 4,000-mile interval, it needs a service. And I don't mean just oil. They have to check stuff. So somebody that owns an Evo will tell me. But uh, and, and they go through, I mean, worlds of people have tracked them into oblivion and beaten everybody else on track day in those cars. And then they promptly change their brakes and tires. So it's just a car about consumables. Would love to have one, but owning it scares me a bit. <laughs> consumes your wallet. It chew, You can feel it chewing on your wallet while you're driving. You're sitting there driving. You're, 
you're laughing your way into I have no money left, but but yeah, that's where you're headed. Man, tons of Facebook questions. As we wrap things up, I will leave you with one last one from Tim Chumley, who asks, as driverless cars become a thing, do you think there will be a change in the age limit to drive places? And Tim, I say yes, because you're probably going to be sending your first grader to school in a driverless car now. I'm calling now. (laughs) School buses are going away. I'm calling it from here. Everybody's going to send their kids to the friend's house, to school, soccer practice. I mean, all of that. So that's kind of where I see things going. Not soon. Not soon. Can we... Can but, we bring it full circle and just say you're going to be Ubering your family everywhere? Can we do? Can we bring it full circle from we where go. we started? Here we go. Nicely done. Holy moly. Thank you guys for listening, for watching. We've got uh, so many more videos coming your way. And, uh, man, the, uh, the big piece, the looming piece. But first, we've got a track day in Germany and Belgium to get through. We'd love to have you join us. So check that out on the website, everydaydriver.com, adventures. What else is on your mind before we wrap things up here? Well, I mean, just thank you guys for listening. The podcast continues to grow. That is entirely due to your ratings and your sharings, and we remain top five automotive podcast. In fact, this past week we've been in the top two, which has been kind of shocking. So thank you for that. That's entirely due to you guys. So we thank you for that. Uh, We know Shout Engine, who provides all of our podcasts to all of you nice people, they've had a total server makeover in the past week or so, and they've had a few kinks they've worked out because, of course, they changed all of their servers over. So uh, we thank uh, Chris and Joe and those guys for all the work they're doing on that. That is what provides the podcast, so thank you to those guys. Uh, Yes, as Paul said, lots more videos coming, another feature film. It just doesn't stop over here, and thank you for being with us. (laughs) Happy Monday, everybody. Cheers.